Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88.0 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. And you're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson here in the morning. And you might be wondering, I can't hear Lawson right now. Well, there's actually a little bit of an interesting story as to why you can't hear Lawson right now. He's kind of here, but he kind of isn't. You see, what happened was we had a technical hitch. We lost the first half of the pre-recorded section of the breakfast show. Not the first half, the first few minutes of the pre-recorded section of the breakfast show, which means that we lost the introduction. So I'm here to give you an introduction. And Lawson has already gone. But if you're wondering what Lawson was thankful for, I can tell you what Lawson was thankful for. He was thankful for his mum, which is just super awesome. We should all be thankful for our mums. He was particularly thankful for his mum who made a an appointment for him to go and see the dentist, which I'm kind of wondering what's so awesome about going to the dentist, but I think it's just awesome that his mum did it for him. And the reason his mum did it for him is about to drop off of his mum's Medicare card. And so this gets to be his last free one. And he would never have thought of it. And he would never have made that appointment. And he's like, my mum is the most amazing. She is awesome. She is so on the ball. So big shout out to Lawson's mum here on Faith FM this morning. Uh, and what was I thankful for? I was thankful for that. I haven't. I went for 25 years without going to the dentist. I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm not recommending that. But, you know, you can't be too sad about avoiding the dentist. That record has been broken in recent years. Not as good as it once was, but needless to say, it was a good run while it lasted. Those are the things that we are thankful for here on Faith FM. We have some exciting stuff to come up with, to to cover today. We are going to be talking about, well, in the uh, more challenging news section, we're going to talk about alcohol. It's going to be a pretty heavy subject. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms.
for prophecy. They will pass away as for tongues. They will cease as for knowledge. It will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass And of course, our apologies that you will miss the good news section this morning, the positively different radio that Lawson brings to us each morning. We lost that piece. It has gone into the ether and we don't know where it is. So we're going to skip over that and we'll be back with uh, that story, that more challenging story about alcohol. Um, So stay tuned, stay tuned, don't go anywhere and we'll be back in just a moment. On the days when you are up On the days when you are down God stays the same from round to round He's your solid ground On the days when you are up Seasons change, the grass withers away, but God's word will always remain the same. On the days when you are up, on the days when you are down, God stays the same from round to round, He's your solid ground. In the sunshine, in the rain In the joy and in the pain God stays the same from day to day 
He's your hiding place In the sunshine, in the rain In the joy and in the pain God stays the same from day to day He's your hiding place Flowers fade, seasons change The grass withers away But Jesus will always remain the same On the days when you are up On the days when you are down God stays the same from round to round He's your solid ground He's your solid ground He's your solid ground
You're listening to Lauren Daigle with How Can It Be here on Faith FM. Lawson, how can it be time for another quiz? Um, Clue. Because we're in the studio doing radio. That's how it can be. All right. Here we go. What am I? The fast God has chosen is to unite the chords of this and then break it. There you go. What is is it? What is God's fast going to break? That's like so obscure. Yeah. That's really obscure. But I know the answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just saying. Just, just, saying. just letting everyone know. Just you can give us a call at one eight hundred three two four eight four three if you know what it is, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Really important announcement I need to make. Just thought about this. Um, we had Michael Worker on the show yesterday, who was talking about religious liberty and the, and the uh, submission that uh, the religious liberty department that he operates will be making to the Australian government. And he has made an appeal for people to send in all of their uh, stories of religious discrimination. So if you've ever experienced any kind of religious discrimination, we need to hear about it. So you can give us a call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. We would love to hear from you with your stories of religious discrimination. Okay, alcohol. Let's talk about alcohol this morning. One in six Australians are alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Alcoholics, I should say. And guess which? What kind of suburbs consume the highest level of alcohol? Um, middle class. You would be wrong. Okay. In fact, middle class suburbs, because it varies wildly by postcode, mm-hmm. middle class suburbs are actually the lowest <clears throat> consumers of alcohol. Oh, I'm I'm You're way very off. You're way off. Um, the highest consumers of alcohol, and, and this did my head in when I read it, are the wealthiest suburbs. Ah, okay. There's, that's where the most alcoholics are. Now, of course, if you go to your poorer suburbs, they uh, suffer badly from obesity, smoking, um, uh, you know, as far as legal drugs go, and then um, obviously, you know, high consumption of illegal drugs. Hmm. So it seems the low socioeconomic suburbs have, uh, you know, a whole long list of health issues. But hmm. alcohol has become the drug of choice for the wealthy, hmm. probably because it has a good public image. Smoking has a terrible public image. If you smoke, people look at you as being just a very, you know, uneducated person. Yeah. Uh, whereas alcohol, it's like, oh, you're a sophisticated person. You drink alcohol. Yeah. And so wealthy people, has this has become their drug of choice. Okay, so normalized drinking can have a disaster effect. Experts are warning that uh, the concept of having a drink with dinner once a day is just a terrible, terrible idea. Mm. Um, and Australia over the last decade or so has become a wine culture. Mm. Um and yeah, so if you look at uh, suburbs in Melbourne's outer east, um, the ratio of alcoholism is about 6.5% of the population. Oh, wow. If you go to Byronshire, it's 31.5%. <laughs> you know, you get some of the most expensive real estate in, in Australia, and mm. suddenly you've got this massive, massive alcohol problem. 
The other difference between regu- uh, sorry between wealthy drinkers and poorer drinkers is that wealthy drinkers tend to be regular rather than binge drinkers. Mm. So they'll have a drink with every uh, with every dinner or something like mm. that, and think that that's going to be healthy for them. Where in actual fact, it's a terrible, terrible idea. Mm. Um, so health authorities have stated that the maximum that an Australian should drink is uh, 10 standard drinks per week. Anything okay. above that, you are an alcoholic, you are alcohol dependent, and you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt. Having said that, um, at the rate of 10 standard drinks per week, one in 100 people will be killed by that. Mm. Wow. That's oh. The mortality rate for just 10 standard drinks per week is one in in 100, 100 are going to be killed by that. That is... This stuff is deadly stuff. Oh, it just is. I am... Yeah, so we've got all these stereotypes of, you know, the poor suburbs and the homeless and so forth uh, just being uh, alcoholics and whatnot. And that was the case in the past, but it has become the case in the distant past. Um, and, of course, uh, when we look at immigrants, immigrants have a higher rate of abstinence from alcohol. That's not surprising. Mm. Um, the majority of the world never drinks alcohol. The majority of the population of the world never drinks alcohol. Mm. Hollywood, the United States, Western civilization is where alcohol has been normalized yeah. and has become a part of you know, a culture where you're just weird if you don't. Mm. And so when Im- immigrants come to Australia, they, they don't have that culture, so they don't consume alcohol. Um, and so they have... Uh, you know, suburbs with higher rates of immigrants have lower rates of drinking. Simple as that. And, of course, we need to look at, okay, how do we then immunize their children so their children learn good habits from their parents rather than picking up the terrible culture that we have here in Australia. Um, the suburbs have the best, of course, rural areas, um, have very high rates of drinking alcohol. Yeah. And they have a culture of, you know, that, that, that they're out in the bush and so their social event of the week kind of takes place at the pub. Yeah. And um, and so you get yeah very high rates out there. Uh, alcohol in Australia costs Australia fourteen point four billion dollars a year. Billion. It costs Australia as in fourteen people point, spend that much on alcohol. No, that is the cost to the health system in Australia. Oh, oh, that is fourteen point four billion dollars. Um, so yeah, five and a half thousand deaths, a hundred and sixty thousand hospitalizations, and don't even try and calculate the social cost. Yeah, you know how many families have been torn apart as a result of alcohol and alcohol abuse. Um, okay, so Professor Calder from the uh, Mitchell Institute has uh, so Professor. Yeah. Anyway. This guy who's done this research is saying that the first thing that we need to do is increase taxes so that people pay for their own death. We've just done that with I mean, sugar. We do yeah, that yeah. with cigarettes. Like, That's right. We it need works. to do this. We it works. need to do- The research is out there. We've done it with cigarettes and we've done it with sugar and it works. I, um, we raise the cost of it. People stop spending it. Because wealthy people are also aware of the money they spend. Mm. And if the cost goes up, they are going to spend less. Fully. That's like fully what happened with my dad and smoking. 
Yeah. Like he was just like this my makes dad, no economic sense. He's like, no, nah, can't do it anymore. So he stopped also the health reasons. I just calculated some of the statistics that you gave me. 160,000 hospitalizations a year divided by like 365. That's like 450 a day. Basically, I had a uh, I had an Ambo once who told me that he'd be out of a job if it wasn't for alcohol. Alcohol is the only thing that keeps him in job. Oh, because it's just that's just oh man, yeah. that sucks so much. Okay, according to Professor Tanya uh, Chikrit, Professor Tanya, Professor Tanya uh, from uh, Curtin University, the idea of low level drinking being good for the health is a myth. Um, there is no safe level of drinking alcohol. Mm. Um, and this is in opposition to earlier studies, but the research has been coming out consistently now over the last decade and more that those earlier studies are terribly, terribly flawed. And there is no safe level for drinking. Mm. Um, the idea of you know a, a, a glass of wine being good for your health is an absolute myth. Mm. Um, there may be elements in there that are good for your heart and maybe you won't die from heart disease. And the primary reason you might not die from heart disease is because the cancer and the, uh, and the cirrhosis of the liver and everything else is going to kill you first. But it's terrible for your heart as well anyway, they have now mm. found out. So yeah, no safe level for drinking um, alcohol. And okay, for guys, we have a thing called the prostate. Oh, yeah. It's important. We like it being there. We like it working, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah? One drink every five days. So one standard drink every five days is going to increase your risk of prostate cancer by 8%. So basically, like alcohol, mellow. This is, this like- is, alcohol is significantly worse than, you know, things like... Um, you know, asbestos and people mm. run around in these rubber suits to try and clean up asbestos and there's all of these, you know, terrible asbestos things. Alcohol's worse. Yeah. Um like mellow I said mellow before as in a mellow amount of drinks. Oh yeah, one yeah, yeah, That's one drink one every five days five is like days. is like nothing. That's almost nothing. you would be considered yeah, not even a drinker.
Back guys, that was Derry Doherty with All to Jesus, I Surrender. Listen to Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Okay, what am I? Peter rebuked those of the circumcision for placing this upon the Gentile believers when they themselves could not bear it. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's definitely obscure. Okay, what is this? What is this thing? Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. You will win a prize. Joining us on the phone this morning is David Haupt. Uh, does our regular piece here on emotional health. Christmas is a particularly lonely time for some people within the community. And uh, David is going to be taking us through a 10-part series on uh, depression and uh, how to yeah really um, do practical things to... Protect ourselves from depression or help ourselves if we are suffering from depression or we have friends or family who are. David, welcome to the show. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Now, David, when we talk about depression, this, I would assume, is something that affects every person in Australia in one way or another, either directly or through family friends. Would that be correct? Very much so. It is nearly reaching an an epidemic stage in the world. And what is amazing to think is that we have more things to entertain us with deeper depression. We we have more communication ability to con- connect with people, but we still have more isolation. And especially at the time, you know, that we're going into now, Christmas, New Year, uh, it is frightening to think that there are many people that, especially during this time, go through immense deep depression. Why is it that with our increased connectivity, you know, particularly on an electronic level, that we are more disconnected? 
just watch uh, people around the the breakfast table at a cafe or a restaurant in the evening, and you'll notice that the whole room might be filled with people, but each one is is connecting on the device. In other words, they're connecting with people that are not present. Uh, our our technology has taken away that personal connect uh, connectedness with people, which therefore makes us more isolated. Although we communicate through texting. Um, there is no real human interaction between uh, people. You'll even find in families, uh, a couple might be sitting on the same couch in their house, but both have their devices in their hands, busy communicating with people that are not, not present. Yes, it would be interesting to uh, monitor ourselves and just to, uh, you know, ask ourselves the question, how often does that happen? And, of course, I like the principle of, you know, when you go out to a restaurant, put all everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table, first person to touch it pays for the food. Um, always seems to work well in creating good social connectedness. But, you know, even last night I was driving home and uh, drove past the local watering hole and they've got a big outdoor area where people can sit outside and everybody who was sitting outside, you, you know, this used to be, you know, the hub of rural communities where people find social connectedness. Everyone was sitting outside staring at a screen. Very much so. And uh, the sad thing is we're so involved in Twitter and Facebook and so forth, uh, basically monitoring how the world out there is observing all uh, commenting about who we are. In other, other words, true communication is to use the um, the means that God has given us, in other words, two ears and one mouth in the ratio that he's given it to us. But um, we are so self-centered and self-focused today through uh, mass media that it's all about me instead of being about other people. And uh, Lyle, this is one of the key key areas, and you, your listeners would recall me a few times mentioning this, that in order to have a much more robust and resilient um, mental state is to look away from myself in actual fact, look at other people and see how I can enrich their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Christmas time, you mentioned that Christmas time can be very lonely for people. Would, it sure wouldn't, is. wouldn't we expect that to be the opposite? It should be. It should be, but it so often is not. We live today in a very mobile society. Uh, I'm living um, tens of thousands of kilometers away from my family, not my immediate wife and, and kids, but from my extended family because of the mobility. I'm an immigrant to Australia and therefore are removed from the, uh, the, the, the people that should be forming the uh, the basis of of my support um, today we we live in a very fractured society, and Christmas time is often the reminder of what we used to have but do not have anymore it 's a very lonely time for older citizens. Um, often in a retirement village, the kids are away. It is Christmas holiday times, so the grandkids are taken away. Where many, many years ago, it would be a gathering time of families. Today, it is a self-centered focus, often chasing the uh, the opportunity to just enjoy ourselves. Have you ever spent a Christmas by yourself, David? I, I, well... This Christmas, uh, my wife is working. She's a nurse. 
She's uh, not only working Christmas Day, but she's working Boxing Day. So this Christmas, um, I'll be spending a bit of time with my daughter. I have, as, as a family, just arrived in, in Australia. We have faced Christmases where we have no relatives, no friends around us. So we use those opportunities to reach out to homeless people and actual fact provide meals and Christmas time for, for other people. Yeah, there is um, not. No. Yeah, sorry, sorry for butting in, but the reason I asked that question is I had a similar experience many, many years ago. Uh, my family all lived in Tasmania. Shell's family all lived in the United States. Christmas time came, and we thought well, we'll just hang out, just the four of us. Um, the the boys were very young at the time, and we still felt incredibly lonely, even we though we were together as a, as a family, because you know everybody else had their extended family. And it was just, I, I'd never, I did not expect it and did not, had never experienced it before. But, you know, since then we've just sort of run an open house um, for, you know, anyone who doesn't have somewhere to go because it's, yeah. We we had a very similar experience the, f- the first Christmas after arriving in Australia because Australians do it completely different to uh, South Africans. Uh, South Africans, you know, go to the, the parks are open, are filled with people and we walked out and suddenly there was just no one on the streets. Everyone was in the enclosure <laughs> of their own homes. So we made a very clear decision from there on to also open our home and um, even went out and um, had Christmas party for people on the street, yeah, which fantastic. was just phenomenal. Yeah. People just couldn't believe, that, you know, it blew their mind that people would care for them in that way. Okay, so if somebody right now is facing a lonely Christmas, so Christmas is coming and they're not expecting to be in the presence of, you know, family and friends. What should they be doing now in preparation? I would suggest that they actually look out for someone that is lonely as well and invite them to come in. And even if they have a very menial meal together, just a company uh, would really exhilarate them and they would come away from there just energized. Um, especially if they, if they reach out to someone that can't give anything back to them. In other words, someone that would never have been in, in, you know, a situation where they could give to them anything re- in return. Invite them a simple meal. My wife tells me of her childhood of a family that would sometimes just invite them and Although they only had bread on the table, it was a kingly meal because it was shared um, with other people. It's amazing how, you know, it's amazing the effect that food has on social connectedness. And the effect that it has on social connectedness is not necessarily connected to the quality of the food. It's the presence of the food that does that. Exactly. And the presence of being willing to share. Mm. You know, just emotionally connect. We often are held back because we feel that we don't have the ideal. You know, we can't um, compare with, with others. While in reality, lonely people are not looking for an extraordinary meal. What they're asking for is is connectedness. Mm. And Lyle, let me say this. This is what is missing in our society, and that is human connectedness. Yes, 
Yes. You know, yes. during the Second World War, uh, some terrible, some terrible tests were done on human beings. One of those tests was relating to human touch to twin babies, the lack in terms of, of the one and the ample human touch in, in the other. The one that they gave hardly any human touch, they gave ample food, more than enough food for the other one who received more than enough human touch. They hardly gave any food to survive, and they waited to see which baby would die first. Mm. You know, you know which one did? The one without the proper human touch, but ample food. Social connectedness has been connected with um, the, the as being you know the highest predictor of good health in human beings through you know studies over a lot of years. Yeah. You've mentioned how that the digital age has made us so disconnected from each other. One of the other things that I observe is that as church attendance has dropped, social connectedness has dropped also. There will be a lot of churches obviously open on Christmas Day. Do you recommend that as a place to go and connect with people and to connect with God as well? It sure is. What what a great opportunity for a church to fling open their doors and not only just give a, a church service, but especially have a special meal at the same time. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of churches that will do that, you know, on Christmas Day. Others will do it, you know, on their worship day in the lead up to Christmas. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's a great opportunity right there to be able, you know, for a church to be able to reach out to the community. But if you're lonely in the community... This is the whole purpose of church is to create that social connectedness with other human beings and with God, you know, head along there and, and, and be blessed. It's, you know, I've, I've been driving around and seeing, you know, various churches that are advertising their, their Christmas Day program or whatever it might be and thinking, you know, this is just such a great idea. Head along there and, and you never know, you be, might, you know, be invited to somebody's house for the afternoon, uh, whatever it might be. And what a better way of spending Christmas than just, you know, being surrounded by four walls. Very much so. I have often, uh, as I visited churches, they would complain, individuals would complain about, oh, this church is, you know, uh, is a clicky church and so difficult to break in. And I would say to the person, look, I'd like to change the, the focus that you have. How about you, having noticed now this need in, in this church community, how about you starting a revolution? And they would look at me in a funny way. They said, what do you mean? I'd say, you have this unique ability to see loneliness in people. Why not? Because you've experienced it, by the way. Why not use this experience to the honor and glory of God and to help your fellow human being? Why don't you start a ministry identifying people that I need and start to invite them and form a group that becomes a care group? Wow. What kind of a response do you get from that? People often do not want to change their focus, and this is part of where depression comes in. People uh, are waiting constantly for others, but those that do take it on report back later on and say, you know what, my life has been so enriched and I've been blessed more than even the people that come to this support group. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think sometimes too when... Uh, people look at a church and see that that church is clicky and they can't break into the social network. It's not always the church's fault. Sometimes no. it's the way that they are perceiving things and 
you know, because of their perceptions, they, they hold back. Do you see this kind of, is, is, is this a reality? This is just my observation. What, one of the characteristics of depression is that we've got a distorted view of the world around us. Um, we, we, we give ourselves and send ourselves negative messages the whole time that alters the way that we observe other people interact and interrelate. You know, all of us are on the journey. All of us are processing things in our life. And therefore, my observation of someone that is just, um, busy dealing with emotion, their own emotional issues and therefore not connecting, it's so easy to judge them. Well, if I would really reach out and take the time to learn to know them, I would discover that they are the most thoughtful and most caring person, maybe. But I've made a perception and I stick with that perception and therefore I judge. Mm. No wonder the scripture says don't judge. And um, it, it is uh, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8, where, where the author says that, you know, we should stop thinking about negative stuff. Uh, think about things that are pure, things that are lovely, uh, things that are good. And if we do see someone that uh, is maybe withdrawn, not reaching out and connecting, most probably they are in a space at that moment where if a person would reach out to them, I would discover the real person and discover how lovely they are. David, it's been fantastic talking this morning. Some great tips there for dealing with depression and particularly social connectedness as we come up to the Christmas break. Uh, we look forward to this series as we work our way through it over the next few weeks. Uh, so much more good things to, uh, to get into right now. Um, Lawson, you had something to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, our next sum- song coming up, uh, Denny Kirkie with Tell Your Heart to Beat Again, is actually uh, a dedication to Diane, one of our faithful listeners. She fell in love with this song when she first heard it uh, here on Faith FM on The Breakfast Show. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's such a, it's such a fitting song for our interview as well when the, when the world's getting uh, down. Yeah, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. This is Faith FM. Like you've never been before The life you knew In a thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday is a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over 
And your journey's just begun Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday's a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was Celtic Women with O Come All Ye Faithful here on Faith FM. We're going to do something slightly different today. We are going to have a week of prayer for rain. Mm. And so before Lawson leads us out in that, we do need to mention there are a couple of uh, Christmas programs happening in the local area here. Uh, One down at Narara, which uh, both of these are happening this Saturday, begins at 10.30. And one at East, that's the uh, Adventist Church, Seventh-day Adventist Church in Narara. And uh, one at my church, the East Maitland Seventh-day Adventist Church um, in East Maitland, where I will be doing a presentation um, amongst a whole bunch of musical, uh, a whole musical program as well. Um, And so you can turn up there at the same time as well. Okay, we're going to, I'm going to hand over to Lawson now and we're going to um, have uh, prayer for rain. Sure, let's pray. Um, Lord and Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much um, for the opportunity and the ability that we have to come to you in prayer, um, to lift up our particular petitions, our thanksgiving, our praises to you, as you call us to do. Um, And we just want to come together to pray, especially... Uh, this morning for 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 rain for the issues that we're having across the state of New South Wales and also right across Australia the drought that we're going through um, Lord this has just had such a severe effect on the people on the agriculture of the land on so many things which you know already and we know that we live in a world of a of a great controversy of a confliction of of free will um that yeah we're just in a very dire state and things are going wrong around us because of sin so we want to take this opportunity now to pray to you to ask you to help us through this situation specifically the people who are being most affected by this i think of the farmers i think of um yeah the people living in these rural communities who are going through water shortages uh, I pray for these people that you strengthen them. But I also want to let this be a time to remind us that these things come about because of sin, because of the effect of sin of, on our world. And I just pray especially that you can just bring our hearts um, to conviction um, and that you would lead us to repent and just to go back to you um, as a faithful and loving God who's given everything for us so that we can be saved. Um, and Lord, through this time of turmoil, may we just be looking to your second coming. Thank you for everything you're doing in our lives and just continue to be with us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances or things I could not understand. Many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision And my frustration gets so out of hand It's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had to stand the test alone As I look at all the victories Spirit rises up in me It's through the fire my weakness is made strong He never promised that the cross would not get heavy Or the hill would not be hard to climb He never offered Victory without fighting But he said help would always come in time 
Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in. Just hold on, our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. I know within myself I would surely perish If I trust the hand of God He'll shield the flames again He never promised That the cross would not get heavy And the hill would not be hard to climb He never offered Victory without fighting But he said help would always come, always come in, time. in time Just remember when you're standing In the valley of decision And the adversary says give Just hold on Our Lord will show up And he will take you through the fire again Just hold on Our Lord will show up And he will take you through the fire again